This is the Ruck Infringement Podcast with Joey Alchin. Legends, welcome back to another episode of the Ruck Infringement Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joey, and this week I'm joined by the one and only Justin Pascoe. Justin, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Joey. How are you? Mate, I am great. It is a pleasure to have you on. Now, before we get into it, just want to... Quick shout-out to League Lids. I've got my new League Lids hat here, my Roosters one. Uh, looking good, if everyone can see that. We've got East on the back. So you can check out LeagueLids.com. Use the code RUCK10 for 10% off. Nice corduroy hats as well. All right, but let's get into Justin Pascoe here. Now, Justin, before we go any further, do you want to introduce yourself, who you are, and what drew you to the game of Rugby League? Yeah, no, sure. So, obviously, Justin Pascoe, currently unemployed. Uh <laughs> No, I spent um, I've spent 12, 13 years in the game of rugby league. Uh, actually, my family was born and bred. Dad was born just west of Mackay, yeah, in a little place called Walkerston. Mum was born in Brisbane. All my family's Queenslanders, so yeah. I don't know. Um, so, but my dad and mum moved down to Melbourne and had me in Melbourne. So I was actually born and bred in Melbourne. There so you go. my exposure to rugby league in terms of um, because obviously Melbourne, you you know, you have AFL yeah. as a part of the DNA um yeah. all through your childhood, but I still stayed connected with the game. Um, my uncle played for Brothers and North in Queensland. Um my dad obviously always spoke about it coming from where he came from. So yeah. there's always a connection, but it wasn't really until I moved back from Los Angeles in 2012 and sort of had a a meeting with a recruiter. Um, yep. Actually, uh, we came back for a holiday and had a meeting with a recruiter and uh, we were sort of at the stage of spending six years in America thinking we'd come back and the recruiter was like, oh, actually, i actually got a really good role for you out of Penrith. And I was like, man, I'm not coming from Hollywood to Penrith. I'm sorry, that's not <laughs> happening. Yeah, yeah. And after, after doing further due diligence on the role and the club and the people involved with, you know, obviously the great Gus Gould and yep. Wilson was there at the time and... The opportunity there to make a difference was substantial and, um, you know, the game has always been a part of our life, albeit growing up in Melbourne, it wasn't substantial until obviously State of Origin started coming there, uh, I think in the 1990 or, and then I think at Olympic Park I went to that game and then maybe back at the MCG in 94, but yeah, and I've been uh, a passionate supporter of the game ever since. Love that, mate, love that. Well, Let's talk about when you were young. Now, you mentioned Origin in the 90s, of course, but were there any certain games that you remember growing up that just stuck out in your mind? And I think the um, the Origin games and just that fierce competitive battle between, you know, as a Melbourne Knight like Guy and Wally Lewis. That's it, um, yeah. Just iconic moments. I, I still remember, you know, in Melbourne where you didn't get a lot of coverage back then. And I'm talking 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, but when you started getting coverage in Melbourne, sort of that manly side and then the Broncos side when they came into it, um, and then, of course, when Melbourne joined and they started doing what they were doing, which has been the best thing for rugby league. Oh, yeah. From a national comp perspective, like Melbourne, as Sydney is, very parochial one sport. If, yep. if the Storm weren't successful and successful for so long, I think the game would have really struggled down south. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mate, did you have a team growing up? 
been from you know having a heritage in Queensland. Obviously, Broncos was always yep. a preferred team. Yeah, yeah, nice, very nice. Now, uh, did you play yourself when you were younger? No, so it wasn't offered. Obviously, in in uh, in Melbourne where I went to school, AFL was always the predominant one. I was one of those normal kids that played cricket in summer, AFL in winter. Um, I was fortunate enough to sort of play at a reasonable level in AFL and was um, sort of in the system young, mm. fifteen and sixteen and seventeen, and then sort of played reserve grade AFL or VFL back then. At the age of eighteen, was drafted after giving up for a year, was drafted again at 19 and spent sort of another four or five years floating around the system. Yeah, well, wow. uh, But a poor attitude never really allowed me to fulfil what potential might have been there. But, yeah, I mean, I love all sport. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I never played rugby league growing up, but yep. certainly um, was heavily involved in AFL, which I think yeah. actually held me in good stead failing at a sport that, I wasn't too bad at because of my attitude, I think really helped me in my future roles in administration. Yeah. Because it allowed me to actually have some really good conversations with certain players around yeah, the importance of not just having skill or talent or athletic ability, but mm. working hard and having a committed attitude is really important and gets you over the line more often than not. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, mate, uh, as you just mentioned before, obviously you're the former CEO of the West Tigers, but when you were CEO, who was one of the funniest players that you have met? Oh, funniest, um, yeah, I think, you know, back to the Penrith days, yeah. Josh Sewer Sauce, he stands <laughs> out as someone that was, and funny in a way that he was just relentlessly annoying. <laughs> um, Jerry Lattimore, Jeremy Lattimore was always quite oh, yes. clever. In regards and lats, and he's got a thousand good stories. I could sit there and listen to him all day. Um, different funny was yep. someone like um, Elijah Taylor. Okay. I still remember Elijah, who was very serious, right? Really serious dude. But I still remember Elijah at a, um, the coach at the time, Ivan Cleary, used to have a mid year event at his house, which was a dress up. Yeah. And the players would, you know, com completely commit to it and would get into it. Um, Elijah came one year as Michael Jackson. <laughs> and at 2 a.m. in the morning, everyone else was like wigs off and it was, you know, back to yeah. normal. He was still walking, talking, acting at 2 a.m. in the morning like Michael Jackson, did not break character the whole time. Wow. That is commitment. That's commitment, man. Um, <laughs> Brett Naden. Brett Naden's very similar to Source. Okay. Like Brett Naden is just constantly just yapping nonstop, but in a completely non-offensive. And you need people like yeah. that around the club. A good story about Brent um, when he first arrived, and obviously big Dave Clemmer was there as well. Clemmer was sitting there saying to me, "I said, mate, you've you've played with Grub Reynolds, you played with a few others. Who's the most annoying player?" He said, "Oh, by far, like by far, Brent Naden." Wow. He's just non-stop, just goes non-stop. Good energy again. Let me clarify yeah. that. Good yeah, energy. definitely, definitely. That's uh to he me more to me, than uh than Grub is is pretty pretty oh, big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh McInnes as well. Oh yes. But he said to me, he goes, oh, mate, you've got to get him back. So I said, All right, leave it with me. So where my office was in the new facility sat above the gym. 
Yeah. I got someone to go down and say to Brent, no, no, you need to come up. And on my office, there's um, the, the, the windows above the gym, which didn't have any blinds, and then the windows that looked back over all of the facility, all of the admin staff, which had blinds. And I'd never pulled the blinds down ever. Always yeah. had open policy, never closed off my office. And my EA at the time, Claire, was in the office with me. And I said, when Brent comes up, you get up really quickly when he comes in and walk out and look really solemn about everything. So she gets up, walks out, and I, Brent comes in and I stand up and I draw the, the blinds down. And I said, mate, I know what you did on the weekend. You've got to come clear. What did you do? And he's sitting there and you can see him starting to shake. He goes, mate, I did nothing. He goes, mate, seriously, don't lie to me. I know what you did. It's better to come clean now. Just tell me what you did. He's like, oh. he's starting to think. He goes, I went for a drive down in Wollongong with my uh, with my girlfriend and or my partner and my and my newborn. I said, that's all we did. I said, seriously, dude, don't lie to me. It's going to come out. I'm trying to protect you and the club here. Yeah, Just tell yeah. Me what you did. But I couldn't keep going because he's starting to sweat yeah. his forehead. <laughs> so he he was always a joy to joy to be around. As was Sauce. As was Lattimore. Just, just oh, like, mate, uh, they they are some awesome stories. We love that. Um, oh, that that's great. I, I love it when you when you can hear that. You can have that camaraderie with your with your uh, players as well. So that's awesome, mate. Um, uh, the next one I got. Who was one of the strongest players you've met? Strongest in terms of character. Uh let's go. Let's go like uh, lifting. Um, Afanua Polo. Is oh, yeah. annoying at the moment. Like he's a beast in the gym. Mm. Um, uh, McKaylee used to oh, be yeah. like used to break records. Zane Musgrove used to break records. Wow. Yeah. Um, and people are different. You know, people have different strengths. Like some people yes. are ridiculous with their leg strength. Some people are ridiculous with their upper body strength. Yeah. Um, people like. Um, you know, Elijah Taylor was always sort of one of those guys that for his body shape was sort of uniquely strong and had, I don't know if you remember E.T. E.T. used to sit there and be, yeah. after a minute, he would literally be crouched over on the field yeah. as he played 80 minutes. But at 80 minutes, he would have made 60-odd tackles and still be in that same crouched out position. So certain some people that are athletically gifted in the gym, mm. uh, some people are just beasts like a... Yeah. Fanua Polo, he's he's as strong as he's fit, which is very unusual for a for a forward. Yeah, he he looks big, mate. He looks big. Oh, I love that. All right, let's get into a bit of the Tigers, mate. Now, much has been made of the Tigers season over the past two years, uh, but I want to hear from you. Now, the pressure you must have copped as CEO to me is somewhat unjustified, and I feel like you would agree with that. I just want to hear from you about all of that that's been going on. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's unjustified. I think. Um, okay. I think I've never avoided responsibility for outcomes. Yeah. Um, my responsibility as CEO is that the buck stops with me, and I always personally try to take that on board. Mm. Um, the good and the bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the role of the CEO is to you know create the strategy, set the strategy, clearly articulate. And communicate that strategy and then motivate and stimulate your staff to work towards achieving that yep. strategy and adding value to the business. But uh, look, it's I think I think any CEO 
should take on that full ownership and responsibility. What I would say is that in the environment that we existed, like where the club's at today, and I'm not sure if you're going to ask about the review later, but where the club's at today, like if I'd walked into the club right now, it would be heaven. Yeah. yeah. Because, because, and I say that with all due respect, because the club's now through that review process, mm. the CEO has full responsibility for all decisions and with that sits accountability. That's all I wanted. Yeah. For the last two, three years, I've been advocating for, you know, limit the list management committee to only being myself, the coach and the head of football. Yeah. Let's not have six on there and make it an arduous task. Limit the delegations of authority to make sure that when you're, you know, negotiating with a player, let's not have to go to the board at a certain value because mm. what that does is it elongates the the um, the process of coming to a decision, which puts risk around it getting out, which often it did, as you know, people would be aware. Yeah, um, and it just removes that competitive nature. So, the last two years, I mean, two thousand and twenty two was just like a um, perfect storm of everything could go wrong, did go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, people say, and I don't necessarily agree with it, it's a year you had to have. Mm. I don't necessarily agree with that. It's like a team that, you know, goes undefeated all year and then loses one game before the end of the season. They go, oh, it's a loss they had to have. Why? Yeah, just that's right. Yeah. Um, last year was really surprising. I I felt that the roster was certainly improved. Yep. Um, and even if you look statistically, like it was actually really 2022 wasn't frustrating because everything just went wrong. So yeah. it's more annoying than anything. Yep. Um, 2023 was really frustrating because, like, statistically, especially those first six games, like, I think four of the six we you know, in terms of metres gain, was almost 500, 600 metres more than the opposition. Yeah, yeah. And that ability to convert inside, you know, the attacking 20 was a problem. And I think the forwards did a great job. Um, and we had, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think we had 17 different spine combinations in a season. Mm. And I don't care what anyone says, how good your roster is, the teams that are, cons the teams that are always performing well are the teams that are consistent. Definitely fine, consistent yep. with their coaches, and that's something the club hasn't had. Um, and 23, we just had that many different people out with injuries, that many two different people swap uh, switching in and out of roles. It's very hard for coaches to gain consistency and for players with combinations to become yep. comfortable. So, certainly not an excuse, but last year, just because of the I thought we had a really good roster, and again, I think. You know, before I left, I thought we'd improved the roster and identified for 24 where the club lacked. Like, you do a review every single day, but at the end of the That's year, right. it's a bigger one. And statistically, we felt that we needed to improve in the halves and that ability to convert, and we probably needed a young back rower. And, you know, Benji, I know, came at the start of one of the board meetings and said, you know, here's my target list of all these players. We want, you know, three of these four Mm. Um, halves, which we got all in regards to, you know, Fainu, Sullivan and yep. Season. Um, and they're all, you know, one really experienced, great kick with his left. The other two are really exciting prospects um, and will be really good players if, you know, nurtured and, you know, given the right environment. Um, 
you know, Sam Wallafainu, great back row, wants to play in the front row at some stage, but an athletic beast. And bizarrely is like the the identical twin, junior twin to Big Steph. Yeah. Like you put them next to each other and you go, man, they must be genetically, you know, connected in some form. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Ben's always wanted, a, you know, maybe another strike centre. And yeah. before I left, the, you know, the, the challenge around having a lot of people on the list management, right, and having people that are um, potentially fan first and not in the best interest of the club is that you're, you're working, you know, we, Jerome Luai was obviously a target, Adam was a target, but as I said to the group at the time, you just got to manage your cap in a way that if you if you go for add and then you go for drone, we just can't get all of them. Yeah, it's, it's, the cap doesn't work that way. You just can't do it. Yeah, and I said, not, and you know, no disrespect to Adam at all because Adam's a quality player. And um, when I met him, standing human. But you'd need to invest and continue to invest in the talent that's sometimes there. And my sort of last message before I left was. You know, again, no disrespect to Adam, but I'd be jumping off Adam and I'd be sticking with Steph. Yeah. Investing all your, putting all your eggs in your basket in Steph and Fanua because they're the future of the club. Yeah. And that allows you to go for Olam. Yeah. But for you sure. can't go for Olam and the other two. And if you do want all that, come and tell me which three or four players you want me to tap. Yeah. Because that's the brutality of the game. Yeah. Yeah, mate. It's a, it's an amazing insight. Um. How do you personally deal with the backlash from fans in the media? Ah, uh, as you can probably tell by my dress attire, I'm fairly casual in life. Um, That's good, and it's not it's not it's not meant with any disrespect at all. I, no, I still, of course, I can still sit here and articulate my message in a professional manner. Yeah, um, I don't need to be in a suit and tie twenty four seven to to do that. Um, and I think I learned that lesson very well when working overseas that, you know, people at the highest level in some very substantial companies and sporting organisations, you know, turn up and still deliver the same outcomes dressed in a way that may not be deemed to be the normal formality of what professionalism looks like. Yeah. But I understand you need to represent, so I get that. But, um, yeah, I was never, I was actually, mate, I was never bothered really by it. Um I was. I always felt sorry for the fans with the amount of publicity the West Tigers brand got. Mm. I also always thought that if you turn it around on the field, that's a real positive because it is such a popular brand that if you actually had success on the field, which was always the plan, that the next stage would be would blow up in terms of you know the media and the reach. Um, I had mates send me some very funny things on Twitter and social media, which they thought was hilarious, which was the yeah. only time I really looked at it. Yeah. Um, I never watched any of the 360 show, the 360 or any of the sort of, the you know, the footy tabloid shows. Yeah. I always had a view, Joey, that um, people that I work with and people that have been in my position that have a opinion that I would respect, I would 100% take on board. Yeah. People that haven't been in my position and are saying things for the sake of saying things or saying things for personal, you know, tax or to sell papers or whatever else, it didn't didn't worry me at all. And I never felt that I should listen to them or that would personally affect me. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a great saying which my daughter actually alerted me to that 
says, you know, if people had a problem with me, with me, um, they should ring me or text me. And if they don't have my phone number, they're not that important to me. <laughs> that's very true. And again, that's done with all due respect because I know. Yeah. And by the way, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. I, I think the, you know, the the fans and how passionate they are about sport across the globe is why sport is so great. My sport was such an important attribute to people getting through COVID. I Absolutely. Mean, that's, that's its greatest testament just there, right? But in regards to West Tigers, mate, they're passionate, they're frustrated. There's been, you know, 11 years of not success on the field. I get it. I respect it. But did I listen to them uh, being personal with me, being personal with Lee? No, but I also took that responsibility on that whatever decisions were being made, whether it was myself in complete independence or the board through the delegations of authority, um, I was happy to be the face of and the brunt of the abuse because that's what you sign up for as a CEO. Yeah, that's it. Mate. I crossed the line a couple of times, though, Joey, where there was a couple of people talk about my wife and my... No, no not on. Not on? That's um, not on. So when it became personal with people that I love around me, like my family, that was not on. When it was about yeah. me, it was water off a duck's back. Yeah, I completely agree. And... That was sort of my next part. Do, do you think that social media is ruining the game? People have such easy access now. I don't think it's ruining the game. I think I think it's a part of the game. It's a part yeah. of life. I would, though, and I've been very strong on this because, um, you know, the club and individuals in the club copped a lot over my time there, right? Yeah. And even with, you know, TV, broadcast, radio, whatever else, I think there needs to be a very serious consideration around what you're saying and when you're saying and how often you're saying it. Mm. Because my challenge is, and my question back to that question would be, who's responsible when player X, administrator X, coach whatever goes to the nth degree and does the unthinkable. Yeah. Like who's going to be responsible for that? Because there is a time and place yeah. where people will sit there and I never read it. I'm resilient. It's, as I said, it's water off a duck's back. I had lunch yesterday with a couple of journos that wanted to catch up and they were like, I never understood how I could abuse you on one day and I'd ring you the next day and you'd be like, hey, mate, what's up? Yeah. And it never really phrased you. But yeah. not everyone's like that. So to your point... I think that's something that seriously needs to be looked at and whether from a legal perspective, I'm not sure. But you can't allow people to be as abusive and toxic on social media as they are currently to a lot of individuals because at some stage it will come back and it'll be too late to then change it once it already happens. Yeah, it's it's been really hard. Like I, I love a punt, but I think punting has been a real big part of that as well. Um, you know, if, if the player doesn't score in the multi, you know, people get upset and things like that. So I think that's played a real big part. Um, but, mate, love the insight. The, the next question I had for you, can we get some insight into being a CEO? Take us through a typical day of a CEO. Um, yeah, always interesting. <laughs> um, but always rewarding. I mean, you, you sort of, as I said before, your role as a CEO is to to set the strategy um, be really clear and articulate what that is so everyone in the organisation is aware of it. Yeah. 
Um, and then really to motivate and stimulate all staff to ensure that not only are they improving as individuals, but as a collective, we're achieving that set those set goals or exceeding that. Um, you know, but it changed. I mean, I, I never spent a lot of time watching training. I didn't think that was the role of the CEO. Hmm. Um, I felt, you know, you had a general manager of football. I'd go across every now and then. I found actually day-to-day it was predominantly just meetings. Um, and even when I was on holidays, we were talking about it the other day, my wife and I. So I just had three weeks up at um, the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, lovely. Um, which was heaven. Yeah. And uh, it's the first time in sort of certainly being at the West Tigers that every time I've been on holidays, I've never turned off my or turned on my out of office. I've never not answered phone calls. I've always been accessible because yeah. I think that's fundamental to what the role requires. So um, even when we went to Vietnam at our last trip, there was, you know, I was spending, and this is not a word of a lie, and I'm sure if you brought up Telstra Records, I was spending three to four hours a day on the phone. Yeah, wow. Which, you know, is impacts your family and your holidays, but that's that's the job, right? Yeah. This three weeks, I would literally leave my phone knowing that I had no obligations, leave my phone at, at the house and go down the beach with my kids. And I'm telling you, it is a bizarre transformation of your mindset to actually be able to commit fully to your family and not be distracted by the phone or the job. So yeah. the job was certainly 24-7. Um, one of the things I sort of you know, laughed about, but not in a funny way, was always sort of Friday, Saturday nights. You'd always go to bed, albeit most of the players have been outstanding in my tenure at both clubs. Yeah. You always, you always run the risk. I mean, you know, and it's often not the player, it's the public that's creating the problem. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you'd always, you know, hopefully wake up on a Sunday. You'd wake up after Christmas holidays with nothing happening. You'd wake up after Mad Monday and, we'd, you know, we'd control and put all the risk measures in there to make sure it's actually governed really well and they would act responsibly. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the role of a CEO, I mean, I would have meetings around, you know, whether membership, commerciality, human resources, there'd be finance meetings, Back when we were building the Centre of Excellence, there'd be a heap of government meetings and council meetings and um, supplier meetings. So yep. it's actually really diverse. And Yeah. You know, so, yeah, and that's what made it exciting. Yeah, definitely, mate. Now, you told me you supported the Broncos uh, before because you're a Queensland boy, well, your, your family were. Did you have a footy idol? Was there someone you, you're watching? Wally you Lewis went, was wow. outstanding. Yeah. Wally Lewis. Yeah. In terms of rugby league, Wally Lewis. Um, yeah, and, and as you know, as a Queensland, I just thought he represented the passion that um, any Queensland would want out of a yeah. legend like him. And you know, I know he excelled in state of origin, um, but I used to love watching Wally play when I could watch him play. Even as a New South Welshman, mate, I, I can't deny what he did. He he was incredible for the game. Um, mate, what's next? What's next for Justin Pascoe? Yeah, good question. As I said, I've sort of committed. Um, you know, January was was really a perfect timing. Yeah. Because I used to sit there and say always to, you know, staff in any job, but particularly in sport, that there's nothing that really happens in Australia from sort of the 15th of December till after Australia Day. So I used to always try and get people to make sure that, you know, our revenue would be at 85% 
bar game day revenue um, mm -hmm. up to 15th of December because nothing would really happen for that next month and a half. And then everyone would be surprised when round one would come. And I said, round one's been pretty much the same since 1908. Yeah. Like it's not changing. Let's work back and let's be prepared. Yeah. But <laughs> so as a consequence, I don't think much happens. You know, people are on holidays or in holiday mode. They don't want to spend money. They don't want to really, you know, get back into this full swing of things until after Australia Day. So I sort of committed that, you know, for that month and probably February, I'd sit back and commit to family and, you know, being very good at uh, gurneying and mowing lawns and yeah, nice. painting and doing stuff around the house, which my wife's loving. <laughs> and most importantly, I'm being really committed to the kids, yep. um, you know, when they're getting home from school, which is awesome at the moment. Yeah, that's great, mate. I've got two of my own, so I completely understand that. Uh, mate, now, a lot of footy players have nicknames. Did you have one yourself? Oh, because of my last name when I grew up, I had Lenny. Yeah, nice. Cricket at Pasco. Yeah. Um, for some bizarre reason, um, my initials became pretty much what I was known for at West Tigers, so just JP. Yeah. JP, nice. But everyone just called me JP. Yeah. Well, there you go. Nice, nice fact, and simple. In fact, some players, I'm sure, never actually knew my first name. They'd just sit there and say either Pasco or JP, but, yeah. yeah. I love it. Now, mate, before we finish up, can you give us an early prediction for 2024? Oh, yep, I can. It's a bold prediction. Ready? I'm ready. Um, I think teams like Penrith, Broncos, um, Storm and Roosters, who I think have recruited really well. Yeah. Um, I think they will be in the top eight. I think there's probably a big group of big group of teams behind that that yeah. will fight for that bottom four. I think the best thing about the competition over the last four or five years, albeit, you know, there's been dominance for 10 years of only sort of three clubs, really, in terms of winning comps, has yeah. been the evenness of the comp. And that excitement all the way down to those last couple of weeks and those last couple of positions makes it great. Um Standout seasons, Ezra Mann. Okay, nice. I just think he's a now he's got the contract settled, mm. and it's a long contract. He showed what he's capable of. Oh yeah. Um, Nathan Cleary to continue to this isn't that bold, by the way. Nathan Cleary to continue doing what he's been doing for five years consistently. Mm. Um, Luke Brooks. Yep. Have an outstanding season at Manly, not putting any pressure on your Brooksy. But I just think with Olukawatu next to you and Cherry Evans and a fit turbo, I think um, the kid can play. So the world's yeah. his sister down there. And I couldn't wish anything more than him having personal and team success. Um, so I'll go Ezra Mann for the Daly M and I will go Roosters for the comp. Only because I'm talking to you. <laughs> mate, I have to agree with you for that part. Uh, definitely roosters for the comp. Not sure about Dalian, but, mate, what has Ramam did in that grand final? I mean, to score three tries, a hat-trick in a grand final is incredible in itself. So he, he's due for a big season. I think uh, Spencer Lenu might have a real big year at the Chooks this year. I think he's a, he's a great signing for the Roosters. But it's very bold, and I love it. Very good <laughs> predictions. <laughs> That's what I, just, I just think, like you said, I mean, Spencer... Young, his brother. I just think they've they've recruited where they needed to recruit. 
That's right. Um, they've addressed, like most clubs try to, where they believe there's possible shortcomings or improvements in their roster needed. Um, and I think the uh, very malign number nine at the Roosters is going to have a very big year as well. Yes, I agree. I think he'll be better for the run. Um, he looked very fit in the boot camp that they did. Uh, the the biggest issue with the Roosters is what you do with the second rowers. Sia Wong is looking incredible. Angus Crichton's back to full health. Satili Tupanua. Where where do you play them all? That that's the biggest thing. I mean, so much talent. So I reckon that's because statistically, I think if you can have twenty three or twenty four players only play twenty three, which Penrith have had for a long time, yeah. It, it gives you best opportunity to be successful. Yeah. But then if you want to look to see, I reckon if you look at players 20 to 25 to 30 in a roster and you measure them up against the other teams and where you think they sit in terms of talent, experience, ability, and if you reckon, I reckon if you look at the Roosters, which I did the other day, they've got a lot of depth and experience all the way down to sort of, yep. you know, that late 25s to 30. So... I think that puts him in good stead. Yeah, definitely. Well, that is all we have time for today. Before we go, don't forget to check out leaguelids.com. Use the code RUCK10 for 10% off. Get a nice corduroy retro rugby league hats. They have all teams available. Some are sold out at the moment, so make sure you jump on leaguelids.com. Also, head to gibsonscountrystylejerky.com.au for all your jerky needs. Use the code PODCAST for 10% off. And our newest sponsor, Game Day Squad. Fantasy football is back. Create, play, and win at Game Day Squad. Make sure you check all of them out. Clean Cup family meets at Lennox Village as well for my locals in Penrith. If you mention the Ruck Infringement podcast, you'll get 10% off your meat at the Butcher. So pretty good deal there as well. Well, we want to thank you, Justin, for your time and for coming on. We very much appreciate it. That's Justin. I'm Joey. And remember, be good. Have the 49ers.